Hey, this is Marlon Taylor, the young Mike Hanlon from Stephen King's It, and you are listening to Without Your Head. Station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by Perry Blackshear, writer and director of When I Consume You, which played Monday at the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival. Brooklyn, Hello, how's here. it going, man? Good. And I actually Thanks. I love the movie, not just because you're here. I was really into it. <laughs> Excellent caveat. That's great. I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm really glad you liked it. Uh, were you at the screening? Yes, definitely at the screening. Uh, the the actors all flew in from LA, so it was a it was a really good homecoming because I live in the area and it was shot in the area and uh, it was great. Yeah. So had you watched it with an audience before? I had never seen it with an audience. I'd never seen it in a theater. I'd never been to it. I haven't been to a theater, and it feels like a trillion years. So it was uh, it was really exciting for multiple reasons at once. Yeah. Yeah. Did you film it uh, pre COVID? Yes, just pre-covid although it's funny some people said oh you must have filmed it during covid because it's all it's like really lonely right. and i was like no i guess some people i guess there was loneliness before covid maybe we're just <laughs> more aware of it now or something like that that is yeah. interesting that comes up a few times in different uh, things i've watched recently uh i think people you know read into read into things what they want what they want to read into it yeah yeah i guess it's it's maybe one of those things that's forever been there we were experiencing and now just the volume has been turned so so, you know, the, volume, the loneliness volume is so high now that we just right. see it everywhere. Yeah. 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 Uh, without giving too much away, I guess, could you give people an idea of what uh, When I Consume You is? Yeah. So it's the story of a brother and a sister who grew up, uh, in, you know, had a hard time growing up and are really protective of each other. And uh, there's this evil stalker that is sort of uh, after them having, you know, maybe it was after them when they were younger and now it's back again. And the story becomes sort of what happens when two people with very different ways of approaching life uh, are, you know, when they con- uh, have to confront evil and how they have to change to be able to deal with uh, with this evil presence um, and how their relationship changes through fighting through this, this terrible thing that has come into their lives. Do you have any siblings yourself? Yes, I have a younger sister. Because I thought it, uh, you really built it well that you really see uh, the connection between them. It was a really sweet scene, I think, uh, when they share the earbuds. Yeah, yeah. The, I think so. It's, it's funny because it is it's actually not so much based on my sister and me and more like two sides of my own self split. <laughs> At least that's how it started. Where like, you know, I don't know if you get this, but sometimes when you're sitting there, and you're like, I feel sorry for myself because of blank. And there's a part of your brain that's like, shut up, like, get up, do some, sh-, you know, like, stop whining, nah, 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 you know, like, life is hard, buddy, you know, and then there's the other side that's like, oh, like flowers, I don't know, being nice, like, 
And I think that wrestling match as to like how to be in this world that is both hard sometimes and also beautiful sometimes, you know, it's like, what's the right way to be? And so that back and forth. And then also what, you know, what the actors brought to it totally transformed what I originally had because, you know, you get these ideas, you have these characters in your head and then what's in your brain connects to reality and then it becomes totally something outside of you and has its own life. And Evan and, and Libby really knocked it out of the park and they're good friends. They both have siblings who they care a lot about. And I think Libby told me one of the reasons she was so excited about it was like, I feel this way about my siblings and I just want to, if someone fucks with them, I just want to fuck them up. So this is great. You know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Evan, you've worked with a lot before. Uh, did you, when you were writing it, did you have him in mind for that role? Yes, uh, always in mind uh, for that role. Libby was new mm -hmm. to our sort of team, at least, but it feels like I've known her now for a decade because of how closely we worked together and how much we connected, uh, you know, our, you know, during the whole process. Um, but yes, I, when I was very young in college, I, the, the filmmakers I worshipped at the time, um, P.T. Anderson and, and a bunch of these, I, I just, the, the connection between the direct writer director and his cast and how you write for actors. I didn't know that you could do that. And I thought, Oh my God, what an amazing, so amazing. You get to work with these people over and over again. Flanagan does it now too. It's just yeah. what a joy to be able to like, uh, and I had a lot of friends that are actors and they're like, man, we're just competing for like these terrible roles that we hate. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if like, we worked with someone to come up with a role that like we loved and was also really interesting. So that um, I love working with actors is one of my favorite parts of this whole, this whole game. Along those lines, I would assume the benefit is, you know, their strengths and you know, how, you know, like I know what this guy can do and you know how to write for him. You definitely lean into their strengths and I don't, they, I don't really know if they have any weaknesses, but it's more like, I get cast as, as this, but I really am good at this. And I'm like, okay, we'll do, we'll, you know, we'll work with that. And then also Margaret Ying Drake uh, was really good at judo. She used to, she was in the same judo class as Ronda Rousey at one point. Oh, wow. And I was like, I'm totally going to write that for your character now. Yeah. You can do that, you know? So it's like you get to draw on all their strength, you know, their, their life stories and stuff too. Yeah. yeah. So how did Libby get involved? You said she was friends with Evan. Friends with Evan, uh, we auditioned her, we auditioned a few people. And I think that uh, I'd, I'd auditioned friends of friends before. And there was always a point where I was like, okay, but the way we make films is a little different. And you really have to be kind of down. It's like a whole experience. The advantage is I work with you really closely to work with your character and we'll like make it better for you. And, and you know, the other thing is that you have to be, you know, ready to run sound sometimes or like ready to kind of be ready for anything and to turn on a dime and stuff, but I'll definitely protect your performance. That's my promise. And sometimes people are not quite ready for how, you know, like walking out on the street late at night it is, you know, you know what I mean? And so we did a few auditions. We knew she was an amazing actress. It was just like, are you really up for this? And she was like, Oh my God, I am so up for this. Like, and that she was amazing, man. Like on set, um, I like to tell this story. You have to, like, we, we all were working really hard, 12 hour days. We took naps. It was amazing uh, to, to work with each other, but very hard. And the end I was, I got really sick back at the time when being sick was just like a thing and not like right. a scary, you know, maybe death sentence or whatever. Yeah. And I was, I lost my voice. So the last few days I was directing like this and I was feeling sorry for myself. 
And then I had found out that Libby had been sick for like 10 days in the middle of the shoot and was just like pounding Dayquil and like, you know, doing all these other things and never complained once. And I was like, damn, dude, I have to, <laughs> I have to like get with the program here. This uh, tough actress. Um, uh, no, amazing to work with her. Amazing to like, now I feel like I, I can't, you know, I want to work with her on every project. Yeah. So it's been great. He's been added to the team. Then. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So you said you filmed it in the Brooklyn area or New York, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to ask, uh, like the locations, are there, are those places like you've seen just when you're walking around or whatever, and you like keep in your mind, like, Hey, it would be cool to film something here. Yes. Uh, so it's a combination of that. We, the, where there was no crew, it was just me and the actors. So I knew I wouldn't have any lights or any, anything. Uh, so we had to find places that were private and had good lighting. Um, and so part of it was just walking around knowing the Greenpoint area, having lived here for more than a, for like 12 years now. And then I also just spent a few weekends on a city bike, zooming around the sort of mapping out all of Greenpoint and all the places I could find and discovering weird places that looked kind of different and uh, great places to shoot. So it was a lot of scouting. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty, pretty fun, uh, yeah. actually. Yeah. One of those lines when you said you didn't have like a lot of lighting and stuff. And um, I don't know how to say this with, I didn't want to be insulting at all, but I think the movie <laughs> did a lot with, with very little because I was really into it and it was not like a lot of effects, but uh, the story I'm really into and just the, the little, the use of like the yellow eyes and the music and everything really got me involved in the movie. And I think all that uh, uh, can add to the production value. Yeah, I think we we really set out to make an ambitious film. Uh, we wanted to expand the world, do things like fight scenes, you know, things that we didn't do and they look like people. And I really wanted to make this kind of neo, like a zero, well, not a zero, well, it is a zero budget, but not look like zero budget, right. but a, a very low budget noir, a kind of, you know, with all the like, I just love New York at night. And, um, and I, I think that we definitely were stretched to our limit. Uh, but it was really exhilarating, um, to be out there working with, with, uh, you know, seeing what we could do with what we had and, and doing stuff that we found really scary or, 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 you know, um, exciting and, and saying, okay, this is where we want to get, here's what we have. How can we make this happen? You know, that's sort of like the, the, the fun of independent film is you're, you're fighting so much, but you're doing it together and it's just you versus reality uh <laughs> which is a you know which is a battle that i'm ready for yeah uh, i like the the theme of fighting de fighting your demons is kind of, you know in literal in the movie and because i always think of like where like uh like the origins of phrases come from and i've always thought like probably back in the day before people knew what alcoholism or anything like that was they probably maybe they just thought it was an actual demon yeah i think um you know they look like people was very psychological and this one was psychological, but I also wanted it to feel more supernatural. I mean, really just grounded in the supernatural, but one picture I had early on was when I've gone through rough times, the feeling of how physical the, the internal feelings can feel like they're not just feelings. They sit in your guts and your body, like, you know, like something is bludgeoning you. <laughs> and I, I thought that would be great. I wanted it to feel, feel very tactile and very physical. And uh, I did love this idea of 
you know, when you have something about yourself that you hate, if you could just punch it in the face, wouldn't that be great? Uh, you know, that voice in your head being like, you're fucking, you're fucking idiot, you know, just be like, fuck you and just punch it in the face. And so I, that's sort of part of where it came from. And, you know, hopefully at the end, it's like, ah, you can't punch it in the face. Uh, I mean, you, you know, maybe you can, but it it usually doesn't work out that great. Uh, (laughs) um, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if this is a question when I answer, but, um, do you, have any personal history even not necessarily you but you know with someone you knew or anybody with addiction issues yes and without getting too much into it uh definitely uh i think uh russell brand talks a lot about this but you know we're all addicts uh to some degree or at least because you're falling the spectrum whether it's like something you know on one side there's sort of heroin of it all and, and and then the other side it's just addicted to helping others or being on Instagram or, you know, being smart or whatever it is. And, and I, I'm, I'm not on any extreme, but I definitely feel the tug of wanting to find things to make yourself feel less, you know, empty inside. And I think uh, I have a lot of friends and loved ones and all of us had who have gone down the rabbit hole really far and dealt with the struggles. And I've been on both sides of this. So I felt like, um, you know, in some ways I've escaped rather lightly from it all so far. And I feel very grateful for that. But I, I, I do think that it mattered so much of us mattered so much to all of us to do this story as, as to do it, to do right by the people that we care about that, you know, that, that have gone through these things and, and to bring our own experiences and those are the people we care about to, to the film. Yeah. Uh, I'm 31 months uh, uh, sober and clean and everything. So, can I, but I like the idea of a spectrum because it could be anything. It, like you said, yeah. it doesn't, could be a, I like the social media because uh, I, I think I'm going to take it to that myself. So, yeah. Yes, definitely. I'm, you know, uh, and it's, it's easy to joke about, but I definitely think, you know, how people just turn to this little thing like a pacifier. It's like something <laughs> bad just happened and you're like, you know, uh, please. No, I didn't escape, even have please. a phone till 2011. <laughs> and my friend Annabelle's like, you can't not have a phone. And I was like, I'll never use it. And then yeah, I have it all the time. <laughs> I get yeah, anxious totally. if I'm like, Oh no, I don't have my phone on me. I know. I know. It's like your tether to the great beyond now. <laughs> it's like, how can I, how can we not exist with Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. What I noticed watching the movie too is uh, it starts like it feels like a small story about your know, brother and a sister, but by the end, when you add all the kind of mythology and supernatural elements, it seems like an epic story. And I thought that was uh, done really well. And I don't know if that's something that you thought about while you're writing it. Yeah, I think uh, I did always imagine it as a sort of mini psychological epic of some kind, and and I don't know why I thought that I think it has to do with how far the characters go from the beginning to the end, especially the character of Wilson and how this huge transformation that takes place with him. Um, and that, that feeling that I had when I was younger, and I don't know if it's a male thing or not, but a, a feeling of being, you know, wanting to just be friendly to life. And then, you know, at some point needing to be harder, mm-hmm. but maybe going too far and not, having difficulty figuring out that balance between being kind and loving and tough. Um, and, uh, I definitely wanted it to ramp up and start intimate and then get, and get sort of bigger at the end so that it feels like, um, part of a bigger, something bigger than itself basically by the end. 
um, this this demon that has existed for many years and, and is will continue to do this until it's high day. Yeah. This might be more of a question for the actor. I'm not sure. But uh, when you have a, oh. such a big character arc like that, where, you know, they they change. So, you know, from one end to the other end, I would assume it's harder to play that in the middle as a because you can't just go from point A to point B because that would seem strange. But kind of playing the, the middle of the arc would be harder. Uh, I don't know about how about writing it. Uh, is it the same way? I think it was the, the film was conveniently divided sort of into two halves. And we did talk about Wilson 1.0 and Wilson 2.0. And the, actually the actor did walk around Greenpoint to get sandwiches and stuff, sort of trying to be the character and to experience how the world reacted. So there was, he'd be Wilson 1.0 and go and just apologize for like even taking up any space and the way people just ignored him and treated him and how it felt. And then he would go around walking like a wolf ready to just, you know, ready basically and how the world reacted to him there. And it both, he was like, both kind of scared me a little bit. Uh, so I think we did talk a lot about that transition and what it meant and how to come back from that and to maybe find somewhere in the middle at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, if possible, it's very hard. Yeah. So I just mentioned when I consume you played at Brooklyn horror film festival, uh, where does it go from here? Other festivals? And do you know where it goes after the festival run yet? Or is it too early? Um, yes. And it's playing at, um, film quest quite soon in uh, Utah. And then it's also playing in, a uh, across the ocean in oh. uh, celluloid screams and terror Mullins in Spain. And one, uh, one other place that I'm, that is escaping me right now. And as far as, um, distribution, we have yellow veil that just came on to be our salespeople. So, uh, that exactly where it's going is still a little bit hush hush, but it's, uh, we're really excited to be working with them and excited to where, it, for where it goes next. Okay. Very cool. Well, I actually, this is a true story. I added it. To, I keep a list cause I see many movies. And I keep a list of my favorites for when we do the, the end of the year. And, and I added it to, uh, to the list. So. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, thank you. I'm really glad to, to talk to you about this. I, I, this movie is so personal and I love it. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's like, I don't know. It's great to talk about it. And I'm, I'm really glad we got to talk about it. Yeah, me too. And I hope people check it out. I really liked it. And also Bingo Hell. I'm friends with Gigi Salaguerrero and uh, you wrote Bingo Hell. So people should check that oh, out. Oh, yeah. She's a good egg. That uh, Shane, I don't know if you've met Shane. He's he's an mm -hmm. awesome guy. If you, if you get a chance. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks for doing this. Awesome, man. Yep. All right. I'll, I'll see you around. Yeah. Bye. From ancient terrors to the search for modern day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. Ripley, we should have listened. The tomb of Nick Cage. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming!